Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus across this place. Come on. Man, we are excited to see you guys. And like they said, we had an amazing conference this past weekend. If you were here, let all the people that didn't make it know. I'm telling y'all, I preached the hardest I've ever preached in my life at that Saturday morning session. Um, one of our guys was like, I think you were willing to die for that message. And I was like, when you don't got to do it three times, you can empty the tank. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, but uh, we're really excited today. And before we get into it, can you guys put your hands together for our founding pastor and one of our pastors here at TC, Pastor Dan. He's also my dad. He's my father. We, we, we started this church together, and, uh, and, and God's just doing amazing things. And, and part of what we want to do today is we want to talk a minute about the idea of being on a winning team. How many of you guys have ever been on a winning team before? Right? How many of you have ever been on a losing team before? Right? And uh, how many of you guys know it's way more fun to be on a winning team? Right? It's, just, it's, it's, it's way more fun to be on a winning team. And, and um, I know, like, even in the church world, it's fun to be part of a mission that's winning as opposed to a mission that's still, right? Like, uh, and, and today we're going to talk about the church uh, and today's going to be, it's a little bit more of a teaching slash preaching type of message. But we want to show you that there's, there's something that God always desired to, desires to do through his local church. And for thousands of years, there's been a temptation to fall into one side or the other. And how even today, in 2023, uh, we, we are charging with a mission and a vision to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. Like, that's, our, that's what we're aiming to accomplish but there's always going to be a desire to do things differently than the way God designed. And we're going to show you how that's historically what happened and how we as a church are going to make sure that we don't fall into that trap. Uh, and so today's going to be a little bit about casting vision for who we are uh, and what God aims to do. In Ephesians 4, uh, verse 1, it says, Paul's talking. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, this is important for two reasons, because one, you have a calling. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a calling. A calling. That means that God has a desire for your life. He aims to do something. Listen to me, listen to me. Not just to you, but through you. Like the Christian life is not something that God just does something to your life and now you're different. He does something to your life because he wants to do something through your life. And so God desires to do something to us and then through us. So he, there's a calling for your life. But listen, there's also a way we're supposed to live our lives as believers that reflects that calling. And so God wants to do something in our life. He wants to do something through our life. And so he, he aims to accomplish some great things um, in, in and through our lives. And so we've got Pastor Dan here, and, and uh, we're just super pumped about all the things that God is getting ready to do. And if you want to, uh, like, like, like Nate said, uh, you know, we've got amazing things happening because we all desire to live a life of impact. Say impact. So look at your neighbor and say impact. Look at the person you just neglected on the other side of you. Come on, what did they do, huh? They never get love, you know, and say impact. Say impact to them. Okay, see, see, see? That's what I'm talking about. Now, listen, because here's the deal. We, we, we put this in your notes. Our desire at TC is to be a house like heaven. 
We want to be a house like heaven. And our desire in that is we want to be a church, and this is one of our code statements, one of our core values. One of our code statements is we want to, we're a house like heaven, and we're a church where people can experience the diversity, unity, and presence of God in a way that reflects heaven. Like, that's what we want to do. Look, look around this room right now. This is what heaven's going to look like. I said, this is what heaven's going to look like. So there's people in here that look different than you, that act different than you. Come on, can you imagine if we were all in here the same person? That'd be boring. Like, th- this is a play, this is what heaven's gonna look like. And so, because of that, man, what does it look like to continue to mold and cultivate a church that looks like heaven? And that's what we wanna talk to you about a little bit today, because John uh, chapter 17, verses 20 through 23 says this My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who are willing uh, or so for those who will believe in me through their message, right? So he, Jesus saying, I'm hoping for those that are going to believe that all of them may be, say that word with me, one, that they would all be one. And I have given them the glory that you have given me. This is Jesus talking to the Father. So I've given them the glory that you've given me that they may be one as you and I are one. So, so, so Jesus desires that we as believers would be unified the same way Christ and the Father were unified. He, that we would all be unified in what he's doing. I and them, Jesus says, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete, what is that word again? Unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as they loved me. So that is God's desire. That's, that's Jesus' desire for us. And when we look at the book of Acts, two things happen in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Verse, uh, chapters 1 through 12, we have the apostle Peter, who's building the church in Jerusalem. All right? Now, I'm giving some of you a history lesson because all of this matters for what we're going to talk about today. So in chapters 1 through 12, Peter is building the church in Jerusalem with the apostles. And then in Acts chapters 13 through 28, the apostle Paul is building the church in Antioch. And so God commissions the apostles. Jesus commissions the apostles. He sends them out, and he says, I want you to take this message, build my church, and he sends them to the four areas, right? He sends them to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And all these clowns heard was Jerusalem. (laughs) I'm, I'm serious. Because in Jerusalem was all the people that looked like them and came from their lineage. Jesus said, I want you to go reach the ends of the earth, every people group. This message is for everybody, but they only went for the people that were part of their tribe. They didn't see that this message was for everyone. They only took it to their people. And so because of that, Paul comes in in chapters 13 through 28, and he does what the apostles were supposed to do but refused to do. And that's what we want to talk to you a little about today because there's a way that we build a church of impact. And today I want to show you how, how we have built a church of impact and we continue to desire to be a church of impact. But we also want to show you what your role is in being part of the church of impact. Does that make sense? And so we want to show you the church, but we also want to show you you. Say you. Turn to your neighbor and say he's talking to you. All right, so we're talking to you. Very good. Yeah, and, and to really understand the importance of this, this is in Acts. This is after we see the, the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we watch the life of Jesus for over three and a half years where he's ministering, he's called out his disciples, he's doing all of this work, 
And now he meets with them in the book of Acts, and he says, I'm about to leave you. This is right before Jesus leaves the earth. And he says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit. I'm going away so that he can come. And you're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be, not maybe, you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. He gave them the great commission in Acts 1.8. And only one church connected with it. So the importance of this lesson or teaching that we want to do today is to just reaffirm who we are as Transformation Church. How many is glad you belong to a church where you belong? You matter. You, you're important. And, and your gift, you matter. And so as we go into this, I want you to understand the importance of it. This was the last message Jesus left the church before he departed. Wow. It wasn't yeah. heal the sick. It, wasn't, it was go and make disciples. Yeah. Go to all the world and make disciples. Last message he gave, which means it was the most important message he could leave. Yeah, absolutely. And so we want to give you five areas of impact today. That's what we want to talk to you about. And the first one we want you to understand as a church is that the vision of the church displays our purpose. The vision of the church displays our purpose. And so the, the vision to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be, which means no matter who you are, wherever you are in your journey, how many guys know God has more for you than where you might be right now? So if you've been saved 30 years, there's a depth of God that you may not know yet, and he wants to continue to transform. How many guys know, no matter how long you've been saved, you still got some issues? There's a way God wants to do, like he wants to transform us more and more into his image, and these two churches struggled with that. They did. They did. Yeah, the, if you look at the difference in uh, Jerusalem, their purpose, theirs was murmuring. When you read, read the first chapters, you will repeatedly see the Jerusalem church murmuring, 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 didn't like this. They came in on a Sunday morning, the AC was cold because we have three services, so we have to make it cold. So if you come up and go, hey, the AC's cold, your answer is going to be, we know. Every week. We know. <laughs> but they, they even murmured because like some of the widows got missed on a lunch program one day, and they called a complete church meeting over. Instead of taking grandma's sandwich, they called a church meeting. It was just murmuring and murmuring. But we see the Antioch church was different. But it was 17 years later, people. Jesus gave the Jerusalem church the Great Commission, and for 17 years they did not get it. They missed their purpose and so 17 years later, he raises up the Antioch church, and they got it. The Jerusalem's purpose was murmuring. The Antioch church was missions. That They got a hold of the purpose of God, and they began to send the message of the gospel out to all people. And so one church was focused on murmuring while the other church was focused on the mission that Jesus left the church. Absolutely. And this is so good because I think that's, that's the temptation for so many churches, right? And this isn't a bash on other churches no. as much as we want to highlight what we don't want to ever fall into the trap of, which is like just the, the gossip circle and the complaining circle and how come you guys don't do this in this way? Like, uh, why don't we? And then how come? And, and it's like, man, we're so, we're so mission-minded like, that we're more focused on making sure that we're reaching lost people than we are keeping saved people happy. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's important because like, you, you could only imagine, there's 950 people who are going to walk through these doors today. Could you imagine if we were trying to keep everybody happy all the time? We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have any energy to reach lost people because we just, uh, but thank God this isn't a holy rollers club. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like this is, when you come to TC, we want you to know this thing, this, this isn't a yacht club, it's a lifeboat. And we want you to pick up an oar and paddle with us because we got, a, we got something we're doing. This is a, there's a vision to this house, right? And in Proverbs 29, 18, it said, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. Some translations say the people perish. But that's not a literal death that they would perish and no longer be alive. It's that there's a death to everything in them that matters because there's no restraint on what's keeping them going in the right direction. So they just live however they want to live. But happy is the one who keeps the law, Proverbs 29, 18 says. And so this is important because God is continuing to reveal to us what he wants to happen in our lives. And how do you play a role in that? Like, what does that look like for you? Well, for you, you need to understand that connecting to the vision connects you to something bigger than yourself. Like connecting to the vision connects you to something bigger than yourself. How many guys are glad that what you're part of is bigger than the part you play? Like, think about it for a second. It's not, it, the, the great thing that God is doing through the church isn't that there's four or five people or the, the eight people we have on staff and that because eight people are doing it, God's just doing something great. No, no, no. What makes our church great is the fact that you have something that God wants you to be a part of, and he wants to use your life to make an impact in people. And when we all say yes, all of the small things we do together make great impacts. And so God has a desire that we would have a vision that's constantly thriving and changing people's lives. But it's not just that we would have a vision for it. We also have to have a plan. That's why the mission of the church tells you where our focus is. The mission of the church tells you where our focus is. And the emphasis on what they're focusing on. And the Jerusalem Antioch church struggled with this too. They did. The Jerusalem church focused on miracles. And I'm just thankful for miracles. This is not that the Jerusalem church was bad. It's that they didn't fulfill all that God called them to do. And so their focus was on miracles. And throughout chapters 1 through 12 in the book of Acts, we see miracle after miracle after miracle. And thank God for miracles. Anybody here had a miracle in your life? Thank God for those miracles. But the focus of the Antioch church was ministry. You see, not not just miracles. Now, I, I remember driving to uh, Texas to preach when I was much younger and doing revival there, and there was this big billboard, and it was about a church, and it said, unified by si- miracle signs and wonders. And the thought hit me, was well, Satan could unify that church if all it takes is a sign and a wonder. And so they, they had miracles, but the Antioch church, their focus was not miracles, but that does not, you don't see one miracle mentioned in chapter 13 through 28. In the Antioch church, you don't even see a miracle mentioned. It's not that they didn't happen. It wasn't the focus. Ministry was the focus. And they were focused on evangelism, the gospel being preached, discipleship, exhortation, building up the body, training the body to go out and do the ministry rather than have to come to the church and get it. That the gospel, the Acts 1-8 was being fulfilled. I'm going to give you power to go out into the world and make a difference. And so what we see is, is that miracles does not produce ministry, but ministry will always produce miracles. And we have to come and realize that TC, we're a church of ministry. We want you to know that you're vitally important. What God purposed inside of you is vitally important to the kingdom. You matter. And when you come here, that's what makes this thing work. Pastor Bad is one of the greatest uh, expositors of the scriptures that I've heard in my 65 years. And I get to say that as a son. 
But I, people ask me all the time, why, why are you still? I'd much rather be on that front row listening to him because he does a far better job at it than I ever did. But, and, and that's okay because it's his season. But I'm saying that, I've said that to say he matters, but you matter equally. The most important person in this room right now is the most broken, hurt, unsaved person in this house is the most important person in this house. You matter. But the ministry of the church is we want to take that broken, hurting person and introduce them to Jesus, let them find freedom, help you discover your purpose, and you get to join the rest of us, and let's go make a difference through ministry in the kingdom of God. That's so good because he just told you that's the four things we do. At TC, we do four things. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's what we do. That's our mission. We want people to know God because you can't. it doesn't matter what you do with your life if you're not going to heaven. We want you to find freedom because it's hard to see today and tomorrow if you can't see through yesterday. We want you to discover why God made you. We want you to use that to make a difference and make an, uh, uh, an impact in other people's lives. That's what we do. So when people come to us and they're like, yo, we, we have this great ministry opportunity. We want you to do like rollerbladers crocheting. I'm like, we don't do that. <laughs> but it's a great impact opportunity. You can, cool, we don't do that. Well, we should, we should do this and we should do that. We don't do that either. It's not that we don't care about it. We do these things because this is the mission of our church. And saying yes to a big thing sometimes requires saying no to a lot of other things. And so we say no to a lot of things. Now, here's what I'll tell you. If you're that passionate about it, start a small group. That's what we tell people. I don't know anyone else that wants to rollerblade while crocheting. That sounds very dangerous to me. I don't know. But but at the end of the day, if you can find four or five people that want to do it and you want to declare Jesus while you roll and stuff, whatever, right, then so be it. But here's the deal. We have a mission, and the mission matters, right? And so be, that, that sometimes requires us to say no to some things, but it's because we're always making sure that the main thing is the main thing here. We're going to do ministry. We're going to see God transform people's lives, and we're going to play our part. And like Pastor Dan said, you also have a part to play, all right? This isn't one of those churches where, you know, like we, we sit, sing, and tithe and go home. Like that's not, you know, we have a role to play. That's why First Peter 2, 9, it says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Peter's talking to this group of people, but this applies to us as well, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's our goal. And in Proverbs 19.21, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but listen, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I think for so many of us, we have a lot of things we would love to do, but listen, we need to be focused on the main thing God's asking us to do. So that's why as a church, we've got a mission, but listen, you need to understand for you and your life, connecting to the mission reveals a purpose within yourself, and here's the deal. Some of you, you've never, you've been asking the question, what, God, why am I here? And I'm going to tell you there's a reason. And if you haven't figured it out yet, we want to help you through next, next steps. This is a three-week class we do starting next Sunday. If you can't figure that, if you haven't been able to figure that out on your own, come to next steps and we'll help get you connected to a purpose. And we can see God do something great through your life. Amen. And so that's what we want to see happen is that you're connected to the vision, you're connected to the, uh, the mission. But here's one of the great things about the church that I love, and that's the next point. That's the diversity of the church reveals our heart. The diversity of the church reveals our 
heart. Because how many guys are glad that when you look around this room, this is what heaven's going to look like? Right? We, got, we have black, white, Hispanic, Asian. We have rich. We got poor. We got, we got people that need help. We got people that can help people. We've got, like, every, we've got younger. We've got older. This is what heaven's going to look like. And listen, diversity of the church reveals our heart. And this is something that the church has struggled with then, too. They did. If, I've always said when we started a church, if your church doesn't look like your community, you need to answer the question on why. Because there's some hatred or there's some racism or there's some bigotry or there's some pride on the inside. And so we see that in the Jerusalem church. So the Jerusalem church was very clannish. It was racist. It was given, the Jerusalem church was given the Great Commission, Acts 1-8, to take the gospel into Jerusalem, but then take it outside of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world, the Gentile world. And they refused to do that because if you weren't a Jew, you did not matter. And so to make that happen, Jesus brought persecution against the Jerusalem church and forced the people into the Gentile world. But the Bible said then even the disciples still remained in Jerusalem. They still didn't get it. And so, again, 17 years given the Jerusalem church the opportunity to take the gospel out, and they refused to do it. 17 years later, he opens up the Antioch Church, and the Antioch Church was a very multicultural, multiracial, diverse church. Let me just give you the leadership of that church in Antioch. It was made up of a Barnabas, who was a wealthy farmer from Cyphus. It was Simeon from Niger, who was a black man. Lucius of Cyrene, who was the first bishop of Cyrene. He was a religious leader. And Manan, who was a noble and wealthy man. The church of Antioch was a multiracial, multisocial multicultural, multi-generational church. Sounds like TC. And it's the, what the New Testament church is supposed to look like. And so as we come together, we don't divide by our diversity. We develop because of our diversity. We grow because of that. And it's not always been easy. It's not always been easy. When we started the church, my wife's got death threats on her life, my children. We had death threats on their life, on my life. We had notes put on my truck Sunday after Sunday, change your message, or dot, 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 dot. We've had them recording. It's been crazy, but we said it's this way or no way. And we thank God and get to and look at what the fruit of that is today as we get to see a true New Testament church and we get to be a part of it. It's not perfect because we're in it, okay? We're, it's not perfect. But we're going to look like Jesus even when we're unperfect. Okay, so thank God that, that we get to become a something. Instead of running from people not like me, I need to embrace them so they can teach me what I don't know yet. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And then we have, we have pastors ask us all the time, it's like, like how, how, did you guys, how did you build such a diverse church? And we're like, oh. I don't, I don't, it wasn't like we sat down one day and was like, we've got an idea. You know, like that, that, that wasn't how, that wasn't the way we did ministry. Our church looks like our kitchen table. Like, the, when, like if you, any given time, they're like, they're, like I, I have a Vietnamese brother and sister. I got a niece that's half black and half Vietnamese. I've got, like, like I've, we got, like, it's, it's the way we live our lives. And so at any given time, these are the people that are in our home. Our, we live our life this way so our church looks this way. 
But the beautiful thing about that is because these are our brothers and these are our sisters, that the diversity that's in our life is manifested in our church. And because of that, I'm always going to guard my brothers and my sisters before I make my opinion known. And so, like, we, we, not only do we live diverse, but it's like it's one of those things where we're also mindful of the way that we live our life and the way that we communicate with each other. Because here's the deal. I'm never going to post something on my social media account that's going to offend my brother just to make a point. And so there's so many Christians that are, like, they're, they're, they're living a world, uh, they're living in a world and they're voicing opinions, not taking into account the unity of the body of Christ. They're trying to communicate to a lost society what they value without understanding what God values inside the house. And so that's one of the things that's just like we're always going to consider what God wants us to be as a church first, and we're going to lead that charge. And so that's why diversity matters because it reveals our heart. And here's the thing that I want you to understand for you as a person, that's connecting to the diversity. Uh, connecting to the diversity helps you embrace the unity of the kingdom of God. So, like, well, this is something we all are supposed to connect to. We're all supposed to connect to the unity that God has for this house, and we do it by embracing not just racial diversity, but also age diversity. You look around, it's not just a black, white, Hispanic, Asian. There's also young, there's also old, there's also different demographics, there's different income classes that go to this church. And what are we doing? We're all learning from each other so we can represent the gospel well. And that matters so much. Right, And so we need to understand that Galatians 3.28, faith in Christ Jesus is what makes each of you equal with each other. Equal with each other. Whether you're a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a free person, a man or a woman, that's what makes us equal. Right? And then we, that, as that starts to affect our heart, that we have a heart for all people, we can see the next thing, which is the generosity of the church gives you a blueprint for your home. The generosity of the church gives you a blueprint for your home. And these two churches, they, they, were, they took two different approaches to finances. They did. The Jerusalem church was more of a grasping church. And, and again, you read through the, we don't want to make it sound like the Jerusalem church was demonic. It wasn't. It just didn't connect to the fullness of the commission that God gave it. And it took up offerings. The Bible said that the people brought their possessions to the disciples and they sold them and gave to the poor. But if you weren't a Jew, you didn't get any of it. So they were yet using their resources to impact the world. They were only using it to impact the people that were like them. And so they were more grasping where the Jerusalem, the Antioch church was a church that connected beyond themselves because they were already a diverse congregation. Their ministry reached out into a diverse world and they reached out. Because, see, here's the thing. Anything that's not connected to the Great Commission is eventually going to wither and die. Anything. It can be good for a while, but it's not going to last. And the Antioch Church connected with their giving that they gave, and they gave of what they had. And here's how, how much they had a spirit of giving. When the Jerusalem Church began to suffer financially because it wasn't connected to the Great Commission, and it began to wither, the Antioch church took up offerings and sent to the Jerusalem church to keep it alive. They had a spirit of generosity. And this is so important because God desires that we would walk out generosity in our home. 
right? Because here's the deal. Even as a church, like, we aim to be generous. We, we, we give away. That's why we're constantly talking about where uh, we want you to know that we're not just asking uh, that you give to the Lord through the local church without understanding that the local church is also giving out. So we talk about that it's going to Peru and the Dominican Republic and Pakistan. And we're, 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 feed, we're going to give away over, we're going to give over, over a half a million pounds of food this church is going to help partner to distribute in this community of Pensacola this year alone. So 2023, that's going to happen. And it's all part of what you're doing as you give. And so we always want you to know that we're being a generous church, right? But even like the Reframe Conference this past weekend, last year we charged for it and God put it on my heart and said, if we're asking the church to be generous, then you be generous. And so this year is like, we made it free because we don't want to charge anybody to have an impact through the Holy Spirit. So it's like, just come be a part of it. And if you want to teach great, you could pay for that, but to be in the presence of the Lord, we're not going to charge you for that because we want to be we want to be generous in every way that we can. And so that's what we're aiming to do is be generous that we can model that. But here's the deal. When you see it, when you see it modeled in the church and the church is thriving, what do you think your home is supposed to look like? That we should have generous homes, right? Luke 638, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over? Will it be poured into your lap? In other words, like when you give, God's going to give back to you in a great measure. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So as we're faithful to give to the Lord, he's faithful to give back to us. And so here's the deal. We have to understand that God desires that if we're generous with what we have, he'll be generous in return. Does that mean you're getting a yacht tomorrow? I don't know that to be true. All right? But if you do, Call me. I want to party on it too, okay? So, um, but in all seriousness, like, I'm not telling you you're going to be wealthy tomorrow. What I'm saying is that you can walk in God's favor of generosity towards you when you're generous in how you give. That's why it says, remember, 2 Corinthians 9 6, remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And I think a lot of us are looking for God to bless us, but we haven't put any seed into the soil that we can expect a harvest from. So we're, we're saying, God, I need you to take care of me right now. And God's saying, when you had enough to give, you didn't give. And because of that, you didn't put seed in the ground. And because you didn't put seed in the ground, now you need a harvest to grow, but you don't have anything to take from. And that's how God wants us to understand how we're supposed to live our life. That's why for us as individuals, so as a church we're generous, but listen to me, for you connecting to generosity unlocks God's favor in your life. Connecting to generosity unlocks God's favor in your life. If you want to walk in favor, be generous and watch what God will do. And that's why Malachi 3 it talks about tithing, and I just want to encourage you today, we're not one of those churches that harp about money. We take up the shortest offering in the history of the church, all right? Like, we, we just, like, we don't beat people up about money because we understand this. If you can't see that God is your supplier, then giving to him doesn't make sense to you. If you think you're your source, then you'll think you have to keep what you make. But if you see that God is your source, you have no problem giving part of it back to him because you know that when you give part of it back to him, he gives even more to you. Well, guess what? Now you have even more to give part of it back to him with. So guess what he does? Gives more to you. Like, and you get into this cycle with the Lord of sowing and reaping. And that's why we have to sin. That's what God aims to do in our life with favor. But if we don't give to the Lord, we don't understand 
unlock the opportunity for the Lord to be faithful and be generous back to us. And I think for so many people, listen, I just want to help you out for a second. You can be generous as much as you want to as far as giving to offerings and giving to special projects. But listen to me. We're going to talk about this at a, at a later date. Tithing is the doorway to favor. So you can throw money through the window, but if you don't open the door, you never get all of what God has for you as far as blessing and favor. And so I just want to invite you to say, yes, try it and see if he don't come through. I promise he will. That's what he said in Malachi 3. I'm not going to read the whole thing. All right, number five, for the sake of time, is the church and the empowerment of the church leads to growth. And that's what we're seeing happen right now in our church. The empowerment of the church leads to growth. It is. And, and the growth is about your growth. It's about my growth, our personal growth, because if we grow, the church grows. Anything that is healthy grows. And we see in the, in the Jerusalem church with the apostle Peter that there, there were some very serious things happened there because uh, they only allowed the apostles to minister. Chapters 1 through 12, the only ministers you see are the apostles. They didn't train up the body. We see the apostle Peter, he's quoted many times through the book of Acts, and then we see that he wrote two, two books in the New Testament, First and Second Peter. We see in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he's referred to multiple times, and yet not one time did Peter mention the church or the kingdom of God. Not one time. It was about Israel. That's all he talked about. But then when you go to the Antioch church, Paul couldn't open his mouth without talking about the kingdom of God or the church because it wasn't about the 12 any longer. It was about the body. It was about the church. It was about you. It was about me. You may not be called to get up here and preach like Pastor Brad, but you can greet at a door if that's your passion and your gift. You, you can serve in the children. Isn't it great to walk into a house and see people operating in their gifts? Listen, the people, us up here, we don't make this church do what it's doing right now. You do. We get to come up here and do this, but it's everybody fulfilling their gift inside of them. And so it's not about uh, the just look at the pastors of this church, look at the staff of this church. No, it's about look at the kingdom of God in the house where everyone is serving in their passion and their gift and the anointing of God on your life. And it is there that we see the growth taking place that, that 16 more baptisms today of people making a new commitment to Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. There's nothing great. When that lady was pumping them arms wherever you are, man, you made my day, man. You just made my week right there. When Pastor Brad sat down, I said, that was so awesome, dude. Watch in there. It's powerful. But isn't that what the kingdom of God's about? And just, I thank God that we're part of a house that when you walk in this door, you matter, number one. We want to know that you know Jesus, but we also want you to know you're in a safe place that you can fulfill God's purpose and mission in your life and do it with a family that's going to love you and help you get there. Absolutely. And that's so important because here's the deal. The gospel was a never, it was never a come and see gospel. It was always a go and tell. And I think we've turned, I think Western civilization and a 21st century church has turned in, has turned the good news of Jesus into when we interact with people, come to my church and see something. Come to, and listen, bring people to our church. If you're new, we're glad you're here, okay? I'm not saying we don't want you to do that. I'm saying that's not the most impactful thing that God has called us to. God hasn't called you to bring someone here and let one person, he's called you to do something great. God wants to do something through you to touch the world. 
And so he's, he's called you to a place of empowerment. He wants to do something great through your life. And that's why we want to empower you here to send you out. And, yeah, as you make an impact, yeah, then bring them. We, we want to see them come here. We want to baptize them. We want to do all those things. But if we, don't, if we don't connect to the fact that our goal as a church is to empower the believers to walk out their faith at their job tomorrow, then we failed. If we all come together and create a Holy Rollers Club and we come together on Sunday and we praise Jesus, but we walk out and Jesus isn't still on part of our praise to our lost coworkers tomorrow, then we weren't actually praising Jesus. We were just feeling good at church. And God wants to do something with our lives. And that's why for you, listen to me, I want to help you out today. Connecting to the empowerment moves you from recipient to participant. Now it's not just something you receive by sitting in a church service. It's something you participate in by discovering what God made you for in next steps. And let's see you start making a difference. One of my greatest joys as a pastor is to stand behind the baptism tank and watch one of our brothers or sisters in Christ baptize the people they've been discipling for the last six months. That's one of my great joys because it's not that I need to do all of it. It's that I'm leading other people and they're making a difference with their lives. And that's what is great. And so here's the thing. As we, as we wrap this up, here's a question. The, the question that I want to answer for you is how do I do that? Like, Pastor Brad, how do I start moving forward in this today? Here's the thing that if you'll just decide this, you can start moving in the right direction. Decide to live a life of impact, not just existence. Don't just exist. Don't just take up space on this earth. Live a life with impact. And as you start doing that, I promise you God will do amazing things. And one of the first things you can do for that. One of the ways you can do that is on October 1st, we are doing a, a gigantic bring a friend to church day. All right. And so uh, I tried to come up with a creative, catchy slogan for that, and I couldn't. This was That's all I had was like bring a friend to church. So I'm sorry. It's very 1991. But, uh, but, but here's the deal. But here's the thing. The reason we're not doing it next week is because I'm genuinely commissioning you that I want you to, starting tomorrow, I want you to start making an impact in somebody. And spend four weeks making an impact through Jesus in their life and then bring them to the place that you two collectively are coming to. You with me? And so don't just, and don't just bring somebody. No, no, no. I want you to spend the next four weeks putting seed in their heart, talking to them about how good God is and, and how your life is transformed, sharing your testimony with them. And on October 1st, and nine, if, if over 900 people are here today, can you imagine if all of us brought one person on October 1st? Come on, we'll be putting screens in the parking lot or something in Jesus' name, right? It'll be amazing. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want to challenge you this. Don't bring somebody from another church. We're not, interested in we're not interested in growing our church. We're interested in growing the kingdom of God. So, do so don't just invite someone from another church because we don't, we don't just need to ship sh uh, shift sheep between pastures. We need to save souls from hell and get them into heaven in Jesus' name. And so... Don't get me wrong. If you have a friend that, you know, they're saved, but they just haven't found a church body, bring them too. But I'm saying let's make an impact in our communities. Amen. And I want you to think about this. Imagine what kind of impact you could have on your home, your friends, and your communities if you committed, if you, turn to your neighbor and say you, if you committed to your part of God's plan, God could do something amazing in our lives. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you and we love you. We're so grateful for you. 
And Lord, as we surrender to you today, as we look to you, God, I pray that you prompt our hearts. Lord, thank you that we belong to a church that doesn't want to just look all the same. We don't want to be grasping. We want to be generous. God, we want to have a vision. We want to have a mission. We want to be, God, moving. And so, Lord, as we aim to, to lead people, God, I pray you continue to help us connect to what you've called us to. But I pray that each person that's here today, that's watching, that's listening, Lord, you help us all realize we have a part to play in your grand design. And so, Lord, let us say yes to that. Because true impact is that when one person preaches a message, it's when we realize that every single one of us have a message to speak. Let us walk out of impact in Jesus' name. If you're here today, friends, you walked in and you say, Brad, I, I, I do need to live a life of impact. But to be honest with you, Jesus is not the Lord of my life. But I want him to be. Today, if that's you, the beauty of the gospel is this. Even though we've all sinned, that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for those sins. And to receive forgiveness, you're given grace, but you receive it by faith. And today, all it takes to be forgiven as, we re as you repent to turn away from that life is to put your faith in Jesus Christ, that when he died for you, he paid for your sins. And if you believe that, then you today are saved. And that causes us to live a different life. But we want to invite you to pray this prayer with us that puts words to what you're believing in your heart, that Jesus is now the Lord of your life. And the whole church is going to pray with you, so you're not praying by yourself. So let's pray, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand all across this place. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.